You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Diaspora Blues acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong and how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Jan. Welcome back to another year of Diaspora Blues. You're listening to Ayan Shirwa. This is our first episode back for 2021. And as you will uh, notice, we're a few members down, um, but not to worry. You have me for another few weeks. Uh, so where is everyone at? Well, Bigwa is currently traveling the continent. Um, she's working on a few projects, uh, basically living her best life. And Maluka and Flick are cooking up a few interviews that we can't wait for you to listen to. So look out for that. But when we come back, we're going to hear from the cultural giant, and I say giant, DJ Mizrik. Join me, Aya Kwai, with Ubuntu Voices, Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word, meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African Australians make to our communities in music, academia, the arts, and everything in between. Come with me on a journey. Ubuntu Voices, every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free. One of us is chained. None of us are free. Our fabulous, fabulous guest this week is DJ Mizrik. DJ Mizrik is a Melbourne-based DJ. She's an event curator and a radio presenter. Uh, her resume is actually very impressive, and I think it's really important to list all her accomplishments. She has um, supported local acts such as Remy and Sam the Great, who we love on this program. Um, she's also supported international artists, like most Def, we're talking Public Enemy, Jill Scott, and this is just to name a few. Um, she's also created events that highlight the talents of emerging DJs and artists with her series gallery. She hosts a yearly celebration called Risky's Block Party, as well as her wildly successful hip hop and R&B series, Hip Hop High Tea. I'm just touching the surface. There's a lot more events that I want to include, but we're short on time. 
So over the weekend, I sat down with Ms. Rick and I asked her about her craft, um, gender imbalance in the scene, unconscious bias and her reflections for and her reflections on 2020, sorry. This interview is divided into two segments with community announcements in between. We really, really, really hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome to Diaspora Blues, DJ Musrik. Thank you so much, Ayan. I'm glad to be here today. It's so good to have you. I've, I've had you in mind for a minute, and I'm glad our schedules could come together to make that work. Well, yeah, I mean, your show, Diaspora Blues, over the past year has had so many amazing interviews and so many conversations of real importance, especially during the pandemic. And I just really appreciate and love where you take the show and the light you shed on really important topics, which aren't readily discussed on a regular basis. So what you do is really important. So I'm really glad to be here. That's so nice of you to say. And I'm also really glad that I have an amazing crew too. Um, shout out to Bigwa, uh, who isn't in Australia at the moment, but she's also another presenter who does incredible work, who's a poet, a cultural shaker, as they say. Um, so shout out to her. One thing I don't think you and I have ever spoken about, and it just occurred to me as I was preparing for this interview, yes. I don't know how you got into DJing. Like, can you tell us how that started? Yeah, sure. So when I was younger, obviously music's been a huge part of my life since birth. Literally, I, my mother couldn't put me to sleep unless there was a radio under the cot. There always had to be music, and that seems to be the ongoing theme in my life. So as I started going out more and more, especially to a lot of raves, techno, electronic music parties, and because I'm not an instrumentalist, you know, I dabble a bit in drums or whatever, but I'm not a drummer or anything like that. Um, I realized that there was a musical job that I could learn and be really good at, and that is DJing because that's music selection and having people dance. So I joined a little DJ program, a four-week DJ program run by Willie Tell, who used to run the wet music label and was a DJ. He no longer DJs, and I think he's moved out of Melbourne since, but he was pretty iconic at the time in the early, late 90s, early 2000s in terms of techno parties and techno production in Australia. So that's how I started. And, of course, it was me and, you know, a number of men in the workshop and taking lessons and learning how to DJ off turntables from scratch. And they didn't particularly at the time make me feel very comfortable you know, because they knew a lot more about that particular scene or knew a lot more about DJing than I did, you know, starting off. But here I am 19, 20 years later, and I have no idea where any of those people ended up. <laughs> First of all, I love the subtle shade. I appreciate it. That was, well, yeah, yeah. This is this is why I came to you. I came to you for the shade and the knowledge. I love it. Um <laughs> So what I'm hearing is that men tend to dominate the scene. I think like the planet, you know, people like to shine a light on the DJ scene or production music scene and say, oh, this is very male dominated. But I like to remind people that the world is actually mostly, most professions are very male dominated. There's 
seems to be a real um, patriarchal kind of system that happens in, I would say, 90% of jobs. And when we think about the work that women have a higher rate in, it's, you know, not many. So how do we tackle the gender imbalance in music and DJing? Well, it's a constant battle, I would say, and it still is, otherwise it wouldn't be discussed so frequently. Mm. No, no, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, as you were talking, I was thinking about unconscious bias, right? So venue people and booking agents, I don't think, well, maybe this is me being generous, but... I don't think that they are like, we don't want black DJs or we don't want female DJs. Like, I don't think that's the case. But do you think there are certain unconscious bias that they carry when it comes to booking? Sure. And I think the issue with the scene is not so much unconscious bias, but nepotism. Hmm. People booking venues or booking spaces are most likely going to be booking people that they know that they talk to regularly, that they speak with often, you know, like, for example, there's a venue in Melbourne that I've been wanting to play at for years, but I never reached out to them. But 2020 came and DJ started coming back into venues. So I decided to take it upon myself to email the venue, find out who books it and ask the question, because if you don't ask, you'll never get an answer. And the response was, oh my God, I am so sorry that I haven't booked you. I don't know why this has happened. (laughs) They were so apologetic and they, and it just showed me that there are people out there that literally love the work a lot of DJs do, but when it comes to booking, there are so many of us. So I guess they're going to book people that are in their face or reminding them or hustling. People are busy and you can't, unless you're part of the industry, it's very easy to not be part of the industry. You look at it from the outside and go, oh, there's a gender imbalance and there's this and there's that, which there is. That's We're not denying that there isn't. But I also think that the issue is a lot deeper than, oh, they always book men. Well, let's look at the genre that they're booking for. Let's look at how many DJs that are non-binary, trans, all women that play that genre and do that well for that particular venue. I mean, everything can be questioned. But if you ask me if there's a gender imbalance, of course, why? Accessibility, why? There aren't many women doing things. And a lot of people like to argue and say, oh, there are so many women DJs. They're just, you know, they just don't get booked. Sure, that could be the case, but have these... You know, unfortunately, we need to do the work as well. If you're a woman non-binary or a trans DJ and you're based in Melbourne and you play at a few friends' venues but are wondering why you're not playing at bigger venues, have you sent them a demo? Have you emailed them? Have you made yourself known? Because, unfortunately, that is the very first step. Hmm. And why some of us would be reluctant to send our demo tapes out or to get ourselves out there? So many reasons. Some reasons may include a little being a little bit shy or nervous. Some may include not feeling particularly welcomed because it is so, you know, skewed to one gender, one race, or one stereotype. 
you know, and there are some lineups where I look at and I'm like, well, I would actually be perfect for that gig, but don't get booked for it. You know, a lot of raves or festivals and things like that. And, you know, there's also the idea that there are booking agents that, you know, book for venues. And so are you part of an agency list and how do you get around that? Do you have a good bio? Do you have a press kit? Do you have mixtapes? I think people that question these things, if they've got all of that down on pat and they're still not getting gigs, that's when they should be questioning, okay, why am I not getting booked? And that could be, again, let be nepotism or not having availability on rosters. I think the world generally needs to be so much better at supporting women, people mm. that are non-binary and not cis male and white. They need to be supported into um, how to DJ, how to better their skills and be given a shot. Otherwise, we're just going to see the same thing over and over. Well, I'm so, glad you're here to talk about these things and to kind of put it into perspective and go, hey, gender imbalance is an issue, but there's also other factors that we need to consider. And I love the idea of exhausting all your options. Well, you have to. I don't, I think, look, this generation is a little bit different, I think, from when I started out. And I've had conversations with a lot of young people and there tends to be um, people are a lot more sensitive should I say, I can say that, I guess, a little bit more sensitive and are questioning as to do question things a lot more, such as why am I not on this lineup? And my question is, well, what have you done to get onto that lineup? You know, and I think just being a DJ in your bedroom for five weeks doesn't allow you to get upset about not having gigs. Mm. You really have to practice. You really have to get the music you really have to work at this craft because you are going to be eventually and hopefully performing in front of massive crowds of people you have to know the equipment what if you're DJing and the DJ equipment all of a sudden stops working or you get there and things aren't plugged in properly and the venue's busy so no one can help you there are so many things that you must learn other than oh I'm a DJ here's my one USB why don't I have gigs and it's like well you probably don't have gigs because no one probably knows that, you know, you DJ or you're very good at things or, you know. So there are so many factors that create a gender imbalance. And I think if you're upset or if you haven't been given the opportunities that you want to have, but you also haven't found those steps, it's very easy to be angry at the industry. I find myself constantly angry at the industry that I work in, but I've been here for 19 years. And, but I also know, and I'm very, very aware of how the insides of that industry works, unfortunately. What did I say? Impressive or what? That is DJ Misrick. Uh, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll hear more from this amazing, amazing person. You're listening to Summer Programming on 3CR Community Radio. Over summer, we'll be here with Radical Radio, including documentaries, special series, highlights from 2020 and much more. For summer grid details, head to 3cr.org.au forward slash summer specials. You're tuned into Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Ian Shirwa and today we've been chatting to DJ Misrik who... Um, I hope she accepts this title, is a cultural icon, 
And she's someone who's paved the way for a lot of DJs and artists. And in this final half of the interview, she shares her inspiration behind Risky's Block Party, an annual event she's been creating for seven years. And finally, we'll hear about her thoughts on 2020 of the show you know you've been doing this for so long and one of the gigs I've had the pleasure of attending is Risky's block party and then watching you spin tunes and the other DJs that you had it was so beautiful to witness not just the diversity which is fantastic but also it gave me a new understanding of what DJing is about right so it's not just the music it's about creating a vibe. I've been running the block party at Section 8, I think for seven years, could be as early as 2013 or 2012 that I've been running them. And the reason I started the block party is because I'm aware of where hip hop started from, how it started, and it didn't start from a positive place. Hip hop started because there were gangs and there uh, there was poverty and there weren't opportunities for people at the time in the 70s in America and the hip hop phenomena, which includes rapping, emceeing, dancing, graphing, DJing, these elements, the this, this movement spread all across the world. So it's become a very popular culture and now it's probably one of the most popular, most marketable um, cultures in the world because it trickles down into fashion, you know, TV, it's, been this amazing phenomenon so what I wanted to do is create an event that paid tribute to the parties that used to happen over there but book DJs here and every lineup would be different and I would book DJs that don't usually play alongside each other don't play at the same venues and even some don't even get along because for me, it's about the music. And it was a bit little, you know, I was being a bit cheeky at times with some lineups going, yeah, these two crews, you know, they're not friends, <laughs> but I'm going to book them and it's going to be amazing. And it was, and it is, and it has continued to be because the ethos of this event is a party for everyone. And it really is about the energy and the vibe the diversity and for audience members understanding that hip-hop is not about rap music, that hip-hop and the roots of hip-hop has a very long history, a very Mm. big history. And when you talk to me about hip-hop, I'm going to talk to you about funk, boogie, reggae, disco, house. I'm going to talk about all the elements that make what hip-hop is other Mm. than just rap music and that's why when you come to a block party if you come from the minute it starts to the end you'll be taking off you'll be taking a musical journey mm-hmm. you know the block party started at three yeah on new year's day and the first dj was sheb asia who's this young extremely talented amazing person that does i think fashion design as well as djs and i met sheb through a DJ workshop ran by City of Yarra. And when I did the workshop with her and the Q&A and we had Zooms over the pandemic when we were locked in and then we did a DJ set together and it was streamed um, 
I wanted to give her that opportunity to DJ in front of a crowd on New Year's Day. And all her music is a mix between, you know, Moroccan, Algerian, hip hop. And that's how the event started. We all mm. we started from that side of the world. Then Lookman, who also has a show, does a show on 3CR. I, he played right after Sheb. So he continued that journey of electronic music and Arabic music. Then I came in and threw down some 80s Arabic classics. But, you know, 30 minutes in, we were listening to New Jack Swing and some Brazilian. And then Cool Out Sun jumped on. So the night literally would take people everywhere. And the music they would be listening to is not something one would expect to hear Mm. at a block party. Yeah, yeah. And you've been doing this for seven years and there's clearly a reason people keep coming back. Yeah. So I used to do them throughout the year, but if I stopped that a few years ago and decided that New Year's Day is the day for a block party, um, because I think it's something, it's an opportunity that people can come to if they don't have funds. You know, the block party on New Year's Day was always that other party that's happening on New Year's Day because there are so many amazing festivals. But then I'm like, what about the people that don't have $80 for a festival ticket that can't be bothered driving to said massive venue that just don't have the energy to be somewhere by 12? <laughs> yeah. What about the people that want to tram it in, train it in whenever they feel like it, have a boogie and get home within the hour or two if they feel like it, you know? That's exactly non- what I did as well, yeah. Exactly, a non-pressure gig. And you could have stayed at home, but you're like, no, I'm going to go uh, to the block party. Honestly, like cause I didn't go out for New Year's because I was just feeling a bit ugh. And then January 1st came around and I was like, look, I can sit at home and then, you know, do what I've been doing for the last few weeks or I could push myself to get out of the house. And I had no one to go with. But I was like, look, I only know DJ Misery. I'm still going to go. And I'm so, so glad that I did. It was such an amazing night because I've been to your other gigs before, but maybe I'm just reading into it, but I felt like this year was very different. You know, the energy was different and and the line, oh my goodness, the line was so, so long. I'm just so glad that you're doing this and that you're also um, putting forward uh, up and coming DJs. And that's something you've also done with the gallery series. And I don't know, I see that as a form of mentorship. Yeah, I mean, gallery was a really important event in Melbourne when it was happening at the time. I found that I was working with a lot of young, talented people, whether I was doing workshops or being called in to do a runoff, one-off, you know, chat on a panel. But the youth-based work that I was doing, I kept meeting these really talented artists. And, you know, at the time I would be asking, so are you performing anywhere? And the response is usually, no, I'm just singing here and along, you know, making demos and not really performing out. And it's like, well, no, no, everyone must have start performing out even if it's to a small crowd, you have to have that, you know, first shot of grabbing a microphone, you know, singing in an intimate space with a few of your friends just to see how the songs you're recording sound out of big speakers to an audience, Mm. you know. And I think that experience is quite important for artists 
sorry, Ayana, just pretty much put a call out online and said, hi, I'm looking for a venue that's going to give me a weekly space that will allow me to book young and upcoming artists for their first, second, third performances. Um, and it will be, you know, I need a budget because, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge budget, but if you're performing, I want you to walk out with something. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you were there to, um, yeah, provide that kind of, not feedback, but provide that kind of support because that's what it is. It's giving people an opportunity and a lot of the time that's all people need because there are all these super talented people in our community and unless they're given a chance to be heard, they'll end up just playing in their garage or in their bedroom. And so I'm glad people like you exist, um, DJ Misrick. Uh, oh, thanks so much, Ayan. But, you know, can I just say in the past few years, there's been this resurgence of power to the people. Let me tell you, these young artists are throwing events for themselves now, doing their own thing for their own communities. And it's been so beautiful to witness. And that's exactly how it should have been the whole time. Absolutely. And now there's just too many events, which is causing me a lot of stress now it's just about now it's like having all these like sampling this buffet of amazing events so I appreciate that people are going out there and and doing their thing but also have some respect for my calendar okay have some respect. yeah <laughs> um, oh. all right so 2020 we've put that to rest now going forward 2021 actually what were your reflections about 2020 I think 2020 was difficult for everybody. And I think a lot of the DJs at first, when we had a lockdown in March, I know a lot of us were like, oh, great, a forced break. We needed this. Didn't realise how hard we'd been working. But then that kept happening. And that's when I think it got very difficult for people coming around June, July, you know, not knowing whether we'd work again, when we'd work, how is Melbourne going to look? And I am really grateful that we stay locked down in terms of being able to control it so then we could return to regular things such as me being able to throw a block party, you mm. know. So my reflection on 2020 is we don't know if 2021 will be the same and it could be I just think what I learned about 2020 is be prepared for everything as much as you can have your support network in place you know ask for help if you need it it's not a time to be complacent and mm -hmm. be kind to yourself you know I mean I found that in 2020 I don't know if anyone else did but me and all my closest friends Usually we talk every day. Come 2020 when we're actually at home not working, no one was really communicating. We were like, you know what, I need a break. I, I don't even have the energy to have a conversation at this point. Mm. And it wasn't because we were feeling sad or negative. It could have been just the collective energy of exhaustion and needing time to actually sit in the quiet, you know, because we rarely sit in the quiet life moves fast around you. Things can change in a split second, you know, but what are you doing for yourself that's restoring this energy, mm. you know? And I guess I'm walking into 2021 
and I'm reading these reports and Victoria's borders better be close to Sydney. I don't want to see an outbreak because that's going to affect the amazing events that I'm putting on and have been booked for. I'm putting on an event this Friday at the Melbourne Museum. I'm not sure if you heard about it, Aeon, but it's with the Halo Vocal Ensemble, which is a choir of artists that feature people like Tando, the Tatafu sisters. They It is a huge lineup of like the best voices in Melbourne. And I would really hate for another lockdown to occur because tickets are almost sold out. And I want people to have that really beautiful R&B gospel experience, you know? Unfortunately, we have to stop here, but you can listen to the entire episode um, later in the day when it's turned into a podcast on our 3CR page, which is www.3cr.org.au slash diaspora blues. Um, if you uh, enjoyed listening to DJ Misrick and would love to attend one of her events, go to www.mzrizk.com. That's www.mzrizk.com. Wow, I just stumbled all over that. I hope you picked that up. If you didn't, you can always check out our um, Diaspora Blues page where we'll upload all her contact information. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us today. My name's Ian, and we hope you have a terrific week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.